Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Imagine with me, you're 10 years old. It's Christmas Eve, and you are really hoping that in the morning you are going to get the gift that you've been waiting for for months. It takes you forever to fall asleep, even though you are laying as still as possible in your bed, hoping that sleep would come quickly so that morning would arrive before you know it. And then finally, it happens. Christmas morning arrives. You jump out of bed and you wake up the rest of your family so you can all get started opening some presents. You sit as patiently as you possibly can as everyone opens their gifts one by one. Finally, it's your turn. You get to open your gift. You open it up and you see the picture on the box and you know it's exactly what you were hoping for. You can't believe it. You're over the moon. You feel almost like you're dreaming. It's such a wonderful gift that your siblings make comments about how amazing it is. There is a song in the Bible that describes a moment like this, but on a much bigger scale. The song is a psalm from a book in the Bible that is full of poetry and songs of worship. It's Psalm 126. It's considered to be in reference to when a small community of God's people, originally from Judah, were able to return to the land that God had given them that had held so much meaning for them and their faith. They were returning after they had been exiled and living in Babylonia for decades. Let's read it together. When the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, What amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. The moment of their return would have been filled with so much more joy than any Christmas morning. They had been longing for this for over 70 years. When they were exiled, God had had his prophet, Jeremiah, write them a letter telling them what to do. You may have heard part of this letter quoted before, where he was talking about that he had a plan for them. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. They would have clung to those words for 70 years. They would have clung to the promise that God had made, that he would end their captivity, that he would restore them and bring them home again. This is why we can read so much joy here in this passage. They returned as if it was a dream. They were filled with laughter. They were singing with joy. Can you picture it? That feeling of returning home after so long of being away? It was so beautiful, this psalm says, that other nations were talking about what amazing things God had done for them. They were home. What joy. The Christmas season is one where we typically talk about joy especially in church. After all, this is the season where we celebrate and sometimes even reenact angels appearing to shepherds and telling them that they bring great news of great joy to all people. When we think about this good news, this news of great joy, we can feel how amazing it was for them. The angels spoke of a savior, the Messiah being born. To those shepherds, that meant good news to the poor. 
It meant comfort to the brokenhearted. It meant captives being freed, a return of justice, and a reward for their suffering. It meant salvation. When the prophet Isaiah described it, he said he was overwhelmed with joy. When Mary, the mother of Jesus, shared her feelings before she even gave birth to Jesus, she said that her spirit rejoiced as she described how amazing God is. This holy God who created the world, who created humanity to be in relationship with him, who repeatedly reached out to build a relationship with them despite their continual rejection. And now he was showing his amazing mercy again by sending Jesus. Jesus who came down as a baby, the most vulnerable of us, to save us. The Lord has done amazing things for us. But it's not always as shiny as we expected. Let's look back at the psalm. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. This verse signals a turning point in the psalm that we are going to explore. But before we get there, I want to talk about the word fortunes. Now, I'm going to readily admit that I get a little squeamish when fortunes are mentioned in the Bible. Because there are some people that believe that if you are a Christian, it means that everything is going to be peachy, and if you have enough faith, you're going to be rich. This view is not supported by the whole of the Bible. But because some people hold to it, it makes some of us who know that it's not the case a little gun-shy about verses that talk about fortunes. If you are a Christian, or you try to do what is right because of material things that you think you will get out of it, you are missing the point of Christianity. And yet the fact of the matter is that there are verses like this one that talk about fortunes. When we do a deep dive into the word here in verse 4 that is translated as fortunes, we discover that it's only ever used in a restorative sense. It's used to talk about returning something to the way that it had been. And it's in fact only ever used in the sense of restoring those who have been exiled. When we look at this verse and figure out how to apply it to our own lives, it allows us to see it in the light of the exile that we, that humanity as a whole, has experienced. At the very beginning of the Bible, we read about Adam and Eve and how they lived in the Garden of Eden, how they lived and walked with God. Through their own actions, that relationship with God was broken, and they, and by extension all of us, were exiled. Even now, we all have those moments or things in our lives where our own selfishness harms our relationships with God and with others and puts us at odds with the way we were designed to be, living with God. At Christmas, we celebrate the ultimate restoration of fortune. When Jesus came down to earth to do the work of repairing that relationship forever, we celebrate that the spiritual exile is over. We celebrate being able to be home with God. We celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Great news, great joy for all people. And yet there is a tension here in the psalm that I think many of us feel regularly in our own lives. 
that in fact the world feels on a regular basis. This process of restoration, it started, but it hasn't finished. Looking back at the psalm, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. How did we go from being filled with laughter to tears and weeping? For so long, these people had been holding on to the hope that they were going to return to their land. And when it was happening, they were so joyful. But once they got there, it wasn't quite as dreamy as they had imagined. The metaphor isn't perfect, but the best way I can describe it is it was like that excited kid that we imagined earlier, opening up the box and realizing that his gift was going to have to be put together. And it was going to take a long time. Except in this instance, it wasn't a toy. It was their lives. They returned to the land and they found that walls needed to be rebuilt. That fields needed to be planted. And on top of that work, they also struggled with sickness. It was hard. When you think of them planting in tears, keep in mind that this seed that they would have been sowing it was an investment. For many, this would have been all that they had. There was no backup plan. With the back-breaking labor that they were doing, they also had the knowledge that their success or failure, their ability to feed their families and continue in the land, hinged on whether the harvest was going to work out. It was an act of faith to put this seed in the ground while they knew all the possible things that could go wrong with the crop. Drought, raiding, insects. There's a reason that prayer was involved. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. As they worked away, planting the seed in tears and faith, they prayed that God would use it to restore their fortunes. Being involved in the work of restoration isn't easy. It's hard work. It involves tears. It involves faith. We are involved in a work of restoration ourselves. But it's not food that we are planting. It's seeds of eternal life in ourselves and others. The metaphor of planting and harvesting has often been applied to the work that has to be done in this world. Jesus used the metaphor of the harvest. Many of the early Christians who wrote what has become the New Testament use the metaphor of the harvest as well. Harvest was used to describe our response to God and the work that we do and the choices that we make every day. But also the work that God has done and is working throughout history that at the end of time when Jesus returns, there will be a great harvest. The great restoration, not just for Christians, but for the world itself. The thing is, the work is not easy. The world that we are in right now is difficult. Sometimes our finances or housing situations are unstable, and we don't know how things are going to work out. Sometimes we struggle with our physical or mental health, and we have to scrounge up the courage to face every new minute 
let alone every new day. Sometimes we feel incredibly isolated, and we don't know where to turn or who to trust. Sometimes we come face to face with struggling or suffering so intense, we don't know how to make sense of the world. There are children and adults and families and churches and countries that are broken and need to be rebuilt. There are seeds of hope that need to be planted. It is Christmas, and we are celebrating the restoration that Jesus coming to earth has brought about. But living in the middle of that restoration, it is difficult. Straight up, there are tears. Sometimes each step is a step of faith. And with every seed of spiritual life that we plant in our own lives or share with others, we pray, restore us, Lord. And I think it's so beautiful that Jesus anticipated this. He knew that our lives were going to be difficult sometimes, and he warned us about it. And then he told us he was going to send us a comforter, who we refer to as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the water in the desert, bringing life to the land as we pray for restoration. He is integral to the work that is happening, to any life at all, but he will also sustain us through it. A story that I think illustrates this really well is a story that involves a man named Elijah. Elijah was someone who spoke for God in a time that was very dark indeed. There are plenty of great stories about him, but one of my favorites is when God had just shown up in a very real and tangible way, and the natural assumption would have been that Elijah's work was going to get easier, or at least that more people would have acknowledged God and started to live for him. When that turned out to not be the case, and Elijah's life was in danger instead, Elijah became overwhelmed. In fact, he laid down and wanted to die. Some of you may have gotten to a moment like this. The work just seemed like too much. He didn't understand why he should keep trying anymore. And I think that the way God responded to this was beautiful. God gave him some food and let him sleep as much as he needed. God gave him exactly what he needed for his next steps, and he does the same for us. I want to encourage you that God is able to give you what you need right now, but also encourage you with the reminder that we are working towards something, a harvest. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. As I mentioned earlier, the Bible uses the metaphor of a harvest to talk about what things are going to be like at the end of time when Jesus comes back as he told us that he would. When he described it, the Apostle Paul said that what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that we will experience then. Paul said that the whole world, all of creation, is groaning like it's in childbirth in anticipation of this, and that believers themselves are also groaning, even though we have the Holy Spirit, because we long for bodies, for an existence that is free from selfishness and suffering. The harvest is coming. 
It's going to be so wonderful. Such a relief from all of the work and struggle that we are experiencing in this world. We will be shouting for joy and singing. What a beautiful day. What a beautiful joy that we can anticipate. We are here celebrating Christmas in the year of 2020. We are celebrating with joy that Jesus came down to earth to be Emmanuel, God with us. We can also look forward to the future, the joy that we know we will experience when we see Jesus at the end of time, the joy that we are working toward. But right now, it's 2020. It's been a dark year. Many are tired and many are hurting. Even still, in this, we can celebrate God with us. A God who came to earth and a God who is working toward our complete restoration. A God who can sustain us through this time. I'm not sure where you are in your faith journey right now. Perhaps you feel far from God. It may be because of decisions you've made, or it may be because of circumstances you found yourself in. I want to assure you that we are given the promise that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. You can have a relationship with the one who knows you more than anyone else, who knows exactly what you need, who has the best plan for you, who will sustain you through difficult times, the one who is your home. What unspeakable joy, even in the tears. I would like to leave you with a prayer. Lord God, we adore you because you have come to us in the past. You have spoken to us in the law that you gave Israel. You have challenged us by speaking through your prophets. You have shown us in Jesus who you really are like. Lord God, we adore you because you still come to us now. You come to us through other people and their love and concern for us. You come to us through men and women who need our help. You come to us as we worship you with your people. Lord God, we adore you because you will come to us at the end. You will be with us at the time of our death. You will still be in charge of everything when all human institutions fail. You will still be God when our history has run its course. We rejoice in you, the God who comes. You are welcome in our lives as you welcome us home. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.